Beloved Orangewood, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, you'll find the words listed for you in your bulletin. It'll also be on the screen. As we continue together through our journey of who is this Jesus? Jesus, in his own words, we're looking at the I am statements that are found in the gospel of John. We find in John's gospel that, that Jesus says some absolutely incredible things about who he is in the I am. Uh, things like before Father Abraham was, I am. That he would say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And what we realize is this, is that Jesus is telling us who he is. It's shedding light on that reality. And it's doing more than just shedding light on who Jesus is in the Gospel of John. But it really is telling us much more. It's, it's shedding light on the entire Bible story. Because the words of Jesus, when he says things like, I am the light of the world, they, they resonate all the way back and forth through Scripture, shining light on God's Word and making sense of the story. We're going to see that again today. That, that when he says things like, I am the good shepherd, it's so much more than just these little words in John. They go well beyond that. And the beauty of this is because this is God's Son who's revealing to us who he is. It's shedding light on who we are. And as we understand this and we grasp who Jesus really is, it does have an incredible impact on our life today and even our eternity tomorrow. So what a great privilege it is to hear Jesus in his own words. Tell us who he is. Have you ever been told why cows lie down? Does anybody know? Is is there anybody a fable? Why do cows supposedly lay down? Anybody know? It's supposed to be raining. So you must have grown up around cows, right? And so I grew up in upstate New York. We got tons of cows. It's only second to Wisconsin as dairy producers. So we had a lot of cows. And one thing cows rarely did was lay down. And if they did, someone would say, well, it must be about ready to rain. I have no idea if the weather affects a cow whatsoever, why cows stand, why they lay down or whatever. Um, and it's not even that important because we're not even going to talk about cows. We're talking about sheep. Why do sheep lie down? And you may want to say, Jeff, what are you talking about? Well, it's important for us to understand sheep. Ready for this? Because God calls us, his people, his sheep. His favorite analogy when he talks about his people, it's not like we're a cute dog or a puppy or a pony or or anything else, a giraffe, a hippopotamus. We are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. He is going to call himself our good shepherd. And what is it that a sheep needs to feel safe enough to lie down? Well, again, what is it? And again, about sheep, that's very important for us to know. And how many know a whole lot about sheep? There might be one of you from Australia or or somebody who knows something about sheep. I don't know a lot about sheep, but what we all probably know about sheep is they're They're not very smart. Here's about sheep. Sheep don't flourish on their own. Sheep don't do well without a shepherd. For sheep to do well, to sheep to be all that a sheep could be, it needs to have a shepherd. 
Because without a shepherd, they, they tend to stay in the same spot and eat all they have. They don't even bother to go look anywhere else. They don't know where to go get good water. I mean, they don't know what's around them. I mean, sheep are dumb. And yet, they're beloved, apparently to God, because he's going to call us his sheep. I did some research, and there's four things that were needed for a sheep to feel comfortable enough to, to lay down. And it's this, these things. One is a free from fear. They can't have a sense of fear. If they have a sense of fear, they will not lay down. They will, they'll stand rigid. Uh, the second thing is, is they need to be free from the friction of others in the flock. You know that one bully sheep, right? You know that one is going to try to jostle you and knock you over. And so they got to feel safe and free, free from friction. They got to be free from parasites and pests. You can get that too, can't you? I mean, I tell you, sitting out in my back porch, I love it in Florida, but when the mosquitoes come, I get those candles. I got them burning beneath me, burning on the table. I mean, just having pests, just get them away from me. And think about a shepherd. How does a shepherd get to them? How does he make sure that they're free from parasites and pests? And the last thing is freed from hunger. They got to have a good stomach, a filled stomach. And then they're able to lie down. Well, our good shepherd, Jesus is going to provide everything we need to be safe. As a matter of fact, Scripture is going to say that, that God is a shepherd who leads us beside still waters. Scripture is going to be said that, that God is the one who's going to lead us by green pastures. It's basically saying this. God and God alone is the one who's going to provide everything we need to rest, everything we need for peace, everything we need for life and life abundantly is only found in our shepherd. Anywhere else, we'll never flourish the way that we're supposed to flourish. Well, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Again, we've been looking at who is this Jesus? I mean, that's the, that's the question of Jesus's day. That's the question of our day. And a lot of answers were being thrown out. Well, well, Jesus, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's a lunatic. He's crazy. Some would say, well, he's demon possessed. And some would say, no, no, no. He's a prophet. And not just any prophet, but the prophet was to come. And some would go even further saying, no, no, it's not just that he's a prophet, that he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's the long-awaited one that God has promised to come and to rescue his people. I got to tell you, not only was there confusion over the question of who Jesus was, but man, landing on the answer divided you. Where you came to the conclusion when you were, when you were crazy enough to say, no, 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 I, I think he really is the Messiah. That, that separated you from many people. And for many people, I said, even the religious people went, this guy's demon-possessed. He's, he's a lunatic. As a matter of fact, let me give you the context when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We remember last week, we looked at Jesus said in the temple that I am the light of the world. He looked at all the symbols in the temple and all the things that was happening at this Feast of Tabernacles. He said, they all point to me. And everything that's dark is only going to be illuminated by me. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Well, in chapter 9, right after that, and by the way, in the original, there, there is no chapter breaks. Those were added later for us to kind of dissect and understand and memorize Scripture. But right after that, I am the light of the world. And, and before Abraham was, I am. Jesus does something in John chapter 9 that has never been done before. I mean, Jesus does something that they just can't explain. He meets a man that was born blind. 
And he's a grown man. He's been blind all his life. He, he's never seen the light of day. He's never seen what his mother's face looks like. He's never seen a green a, a, a grass or a blue sky. He's never seen it. And Jesus, Jesus comes alongside this man and miraculously with the power of God alone, he heals him and he's able to see. And people are so freaked out saying, well, he looks a lot like the guy that was blind and begging, but it can't be because this guy was born blind. Never before has this ever happened. What is going on? Who is this Jesus? So, so the who is Jesus is getting ramped up. The volume's being turned up. And again, some say, well, he's a prophet. It's interesting in John chapter 20, in John chapter nine and verse 22, the religious leaders were so afraid of Jesus. They said this, if anybody calls this guy the Messiah, if anybody calls this guy the Christ, you're excommunicated. You're, you're not going to even come into the synagogue. And so it's clearly at this heightened stage that, that Jesus is going to now say, I am the good shepherd. He's basically saying, I'm the one you're to look for. In chapter 10, it's interesting, as that continues, the people again are going to say, no, no, he's demon-possessed. No, no, he's a, he's a lunatic. He's a loony bin. And even in chapter 10, we're going to see them. They say this, Jesus, will you quit beating around the bush? Will you just hit us between the eyes? Would you tell us plainly, are you the Christ or not? And Jesus is going to say, I already told you. And all these works I'm doing, they already prove it. But you don't get it. You want to know why? This is really scary and both thrilling and scary because you're not my sheep. And my sheep will get it and they will hear. Well, that's the context of Jesus saying that I am the good shepherd. But let us pull back a little bit. Would you join me? Would you lean in? Because this is, I got to tell you, your pastor gets so excited when God's story connects Old Testament and New Testament. Because when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, he's saying so much more uh, to the biblical story. You see, the Bible story is this, is God has made you in his image. God has made you to be known and loved by God and to know and love God. And that God himself wants to shepherd you. God himself, and the word shepherd in the Old Testament didn't refer to just to that guy hanging out with sheep. It's that, but it's much more. The word shepherd in the Old Testament referred to king and the leader. And the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our, our king. And as you read through the Bible story, you'll see that it's always been God's desire himself to shepherd his people. But what he would do, he would raise up a, a shepherd boy like David. And how did he raise him up? Well, because he had a heart after God. Because God wanted to shepherd him, himself. And throughout scripture, we see that God gets angry and frustrated when his sheep are scattered. When his people don't have a shepherd, when the people don't have a godly leader who loves them and provides for them, God gets upset. And he hates seeing his people scattered. He hates seeing his people uh, like sheep without a shepherd. One of my favorite passages that make this clear is Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 34 is going to be an entire uh, chapter of scripture focused on the shepherds of Israel. And it starts off like, woe to you shepherds. You're, you're leaders. You're supposed to be kings. You're supposed to be the priests, the prophets. Woe to you shepherds. You want to know why? Because you just feed yourself. You just look out for yourself. Don't we hate leaders who just look out for themselves? Don't you just hate leaders who just, really, it's all about them? And so here in Ezekiel 34, God's saying, you should be looking out for the sheep, and you're not. 
You should be feeding those who are hungry. You're not. You should be looking for those who are lost, and you're not. You should be looking for those who are broken, and you yourself should bind them up, but you're not. You know what God says? This is, this is amazing what God says. I mean, in Ezekiel 34, he says this. I'm going to do it. And the Hebrew is so emphatic. He says, I, I myself am going to come shepherd the flock. I, I myself am going to come look for those who are lost. I, I myself am going to feed those who are hungry. I myself am going to take those who are broken and I'm going to bind them up. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to gather them as one people. I'm going to be their shepherd. And all of God's people saying, yes, go God. This is incredible. But at the end of 34, he says something very unusual. He says, and I'm going to raise up my servant, my David, and I'm going to make him the shepherd of the people. I'm going to take David, this king. I'm going to raise up a son from David, and he is going to be the shepherd. And you want to step back and say, well, which is it, God? You've made a big deal saying that you yourself are going to shepherd him. And now you're saying, oh, by the way, David's son, another king's going to shepherd him. What's going to be? The cool thing is, is the answer is yes. God himself, through David's son, Jesus, fully God, fully man, is going to be the good shepherd. So in chapter 10, we see uh, this coming into clarity of who this Jesus is, this promised shepherd that was to come the true shepherd of Israel, the only one who will give us life and life abundantly. So let's look to God's word. Uh, we're going to read uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 31. This incredible section of scripture, there's so much beauty, there's so much depth here. May the Holy Spirit come and open each one of our minds and our eyes and our ears to hear, to see, to taste the beauty of God and his love for us. Hear God's word. John 10, now that we have the context, verses 1 through 31. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow them, follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Well, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. He was telling them, Hey, you're missing who this true shepherd is. So in verse seven, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, listen to this, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. He says it again. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It just happened last chapter. At the time of the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, come be with your people in a way that we could see Jesus rightly. In this passage, some thought Jesus was possessed by a demon. Some would say that he was a lunatic. But he claims to be one with the Father. He claims to be the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Oh God, give us ears to hear the shepherd's voice. Give us minds to understand who this good shepherd is. Oh God, for each heart here, would you be gracious and would you give us hearts to embrace this love of the shepherd. May he, we know him as he knows us, as he knows the father. And through this knowledge, may we have life and life abundantly. And God, would you be with your people in such a powerful way that we would walk in a manner that is honoring to our good shepherd, that pursues hard after our good shepherd, the one who has laid his life down for us. May we live our lives laid down for him. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the good shepherd, would you use those things to make us his beloved sheep. We pray in Christ's name, amen. If you wanna follow along, there's an outline for you in your bulletin with just two things. What I love about this passage in John 10, it tells us so much, but it tells us why Jesus came. He came for you and he came for me, but he came specifically to give us something. He came to give us, you ready for this life? Oh, how we long for it. He came to give us life and you ready? Life abundantly. As he looks at us, he calls us his sheep. The reality is this, you will never find life. You will never find abundance of life apart from Christ Jesus. 
And he has come to be our good shepherd. And what does a good shepherd provide for us? The only way for us to live and live abundantly is to be known and to be loved. And the only way for us to have life and light abundantly is known and loved and also to be safe and secure. That we known and we love, that we're safe and secure. That way we can truly flourish. The first thing it tells us through this passage is the good shepherd knows his sheep. One of the clearest answers of prayer I've ever had in my life was a prayer I uttered when I entered into ministry. It was back in 1992 when I left the business world and, and went into ministry and the business world didn't even know I was gone. But I was making this big change and, and I was going to ministry and listen, I was going into the front lines. I didn't picture this. I pictured student ministry. That's where God called me and I thought I'd be a lifer there. I thought I'd spend the rest of my, my ministry days loving on students. Why? Because 85% of the people who come to Christ do so before the age of 18. And I thought this was the front line. And one thing I knew about students is this, their identity was so important. And if you knew their name, they lit up. And I was not a guy who knew names very well. I was probably like many of you. And when you tell me your name, I could forget it in the next nanosecond. So I prayed this prayer. I said, God, would you please allow me to know the names of the students who send to me? I'm telling you, he answered that prayer. And the number of students came through the door and, and I just was able to remember. Um, and, and I'm telling you, it wasn't me, it was him. Because I knew that, that as young people, they just loved having their name called. When I saw them in the hallway and I could give them a high five and I could call them by name, they felt special. Well, I'm now 50. And although I know plenty of your names, I forget that way too often. The more important thing is the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd who won't forget your name, who won't even call you the wrong name on the day you're getting to join the church. <laughs> God not only knows your name, listen, he knows everything about you. I mean, he knows how many hairs are on your head. For some of you, it's easier to count than others. Uh, he, he knows the number of days you have in your life. He knows your likes. He knows your distaste. He knows your thoughts. He knows your sins. He knows your secret sins. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. There's not one thing that God doesn't know about you. He knows you better than you know you. He knows you fully and he knows you completely. And here's the mystery of all mysteries that only come from God. He loves you still. He knows you and he loves you. Oftentimes, knowledge and love don't go hand in hand. I mean, the story's great when we say, man, I got to know her. And the more I got to know her, the more I loved her. And so I made her my wife. And those are great stories, like stories by God's grace, like Katie and mine. But the more I knew her, the more I loved her. But the thing about God is interesting. He's always loved us. He's always known us. And it's never going to get to the point in your life where he's going to come and say, oh, now you've done it. Now I know the real you. And now that you've shown me the real you, you're out. Hit the bricks. He's not like that. He knows everything about your past, your present, and your future. And he loves us just the same. He recognizes us. He loves us enough to lay his life down for us. It's incredible. And why? He wants us to be not only loved and known, he wants us to be unified. I mean, it's important. It's interesting how he says about this knowledge. He goes, I know you as I know the Father. 
And as the Father knows me, and so there's, there's this knowledge, there's this, there's this love. Why? So that we could be one flock under one shepherd. He loves us in a way that wants to draw us into community. He wants to love us in a way that draws us into his own intimate community and community with one another. Do you know this about the good shepherd? I mean, don't forget who this good shepherd is. This is the creator of the universe. This is the all-powerful one. This is the eternal one that wants to say to you, I know you by name. I've known you before time began. There's nothing about you that I'm not familiar with. And by the way, I'm so fond of you. I just love you. You see, that's the reality of he knows his sheep, but he also, what does he do? He lays down his life for his sheep. I heard two stories last week of two instances where someone helped someone else in need. Specifically, it was a financial need. And there was two stories of, of those who were uh, able to give financial resources to those in need. Let me give you the two stories and see if they sound familiar. One happened here on Lee Road. What happened Lee Road, it was during the work day that, that someone actually stood in front of their car while the other person went to the window. And while one stood in front of their car, one went to the window and the window goes down and goes, I need money, give me your money. Out of fear, fear for his life and realizing he's getting tag team here, he reaches in his wallet and he gives money to the one in need. Well, the other one just happened to be driving through the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts and noticed a man sitting off by himself, disheveled, made eye contact with that man and found out that he was in need and found out, how can I help you? How can I, what can I do to come alongside you? And willingly opened up his wallet and gave him bus fare and some money for food. Both were given. Which one really gave out of his heart? What Jesus says very clearly, especially for us to understand this Holy Week, is this cross thing wasn't because my life took a direction that I didn't anticipate. No one took my life from me. They may have arrested me. They may have come at me at night. And they may have divided up my garments. And they may have crucified me. But they did nothing apart from my permission. They did nothing that I didn't willingly, joyfully do. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12 that for the joy set before Jesus, he laid down his life for his sheep. Why? So that we could have life and life abundantly. The cross was no tragic accident. The cross was the reality of a father who loves his sheep to death. And he's always will love them and will never let them go. What an incredible shepherd that we have that would lay down his life for his sheep. Why? So that we could be safe and secure. Safe and secure from what? Safe and secure. Well, Jesus laid down his life so that we could be safe, that there would be, listen, there would never be anything that would be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Because he laid his life down, because he became our sin, because he absorbed the Father's wrath, Holy Father's wrath for sinners like us, because he became that substitute for us. You ready for this? There will never be anything that will be able to separate us from the love of the Father, ever. The price was paid. The wrath was absorbed so that we can experience that love of the Father 
Our enemies were defeated. The scriptures say, what are your greatest enemies? Your greatest enemies are these sin because it separates you from a holy God and death, the result of the fruit of sin. And Jesus says, I'm going to step in. I'm going to come and look for you that are lost. I'm going to come and I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to come and I'm going to become your sin. I'm going to taste your death so that you and I can taste life and life eternally. That's the gospel message. We're safe. There's nothing ever that will separate us from the love of Christ. We're forgiven. I mean, anything that we have done, are doing, or will do has been nailed to the cross. You ready for this? There's no condemnation. There are those in Christ Jesus. Do you know what we owe to God's law? Nothing. It's all been paid. Are you kidding me? We are that free. We owe everything to God's love, everything to God's grace, but we owe nothing to God's law because he came to set his sheep free. He came to give them life and life abundantly. It says he came that he is the door and now that we can come in and go out and he leads us to pasture, which is saying this, I've come that you may dwell with God. That you'll know that I'm always with you and for you. You'll always find pasture. The good shepherd and the good shepherd alone makes us safe because he set us free. But not just safe, but secure. It says, nothing can snatch you out of my hand, Jesus says. And then he wants to say, and by the way, nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand. And then he says, and by the way, the Father and I are one. When he says nothing can snatch you out of the God's hands, nothing here means nothing. Not your own sin. Not your own wandering. Not your own depravity. Not your own forgetfulness. Not your own faithlessness. I love it doesn't say this. God is going to save those who really hold on to the shepherd. Those of you who have a great grip on the good shepherd, you're going to make it home. Guess who's going to make it home? None of us. He says, here's the grip that matters. I lose none. Nothing can disqualify us from being a part of God's fold. You hear that? Nothing can disqualify you from God's love in Christ Jesus. Nothing can get you out of God's nail-pierced hand. If you're his sheep, you will forever be his sheep. If you're his sheep, you're going to make it home. If you're his sheep, you're safe and you're secure. The amazing thing about this passage is this. God and God alone provides it all. That's what shepherds do. What did the sheep provide? Just smelly wandering. Just confusion. What did the shepherd provide? He provided them ears to hear his voice. He provided them grace. He alone says, I'm going to lay down my life for who? I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. So very, very specific. It's interesting. In John chapter 17, Jesus says, I'm not going to pray for the world. I'm just going to pray for those who are mine. I'm going to pray for the sheep. And now we get to John 10. We also realize that I'm laying my life down for the sheep and I'm not going to let them go. You know what this is telling us? Salvation truly from start to finish is all from the Lord. From the effectual call and the ability to heal to the atonement that is for his people and his people alone and for the security of knowing that he'll never let us go. What an incredible God. All to him we owe. All by his grace. And the question is, have you heard the good shepherd's voice? How do you know if you've heard? Well, you've heard it if you know that when you hear it, something tingles inside. You've heard it because it connects to your heart. 
and you realize that Jesus really is who he claims he is. He is the good shepherd. He is God's only begotten son. And he is my shepherd, my savior. Have you heard that call? Do you know that voice? Well, here's how you know too, is that you'll desire to follow him. You're not gonna do it perfectly. You're gonna wander. There's times you're gonna forget. But if you have a desire, listen, if you have a desire to follow Jesus, guess who put it there? Jesus. And that desire is a beautiful thing because it's a divine thing. And he says, if that's the reality in your life, I'm never going to let you go. Are you following after the good shepherd? Have you heard his voice? Are you letting him lead you to the pastures that he chooses for his glory? I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for my sheep. Let us pray. Father, thank you for loving us enough to send us a shepherd. You loved us as your sheep. You've called us into your pasture. We are yours and you know us by name. You actually tell us in, this, in your Bible that the day's coming, you're gonna separate the sheep from the goats because you know who's yours and who isn't. But God, we thank you for your grace of knowing and loving us. And we thank you for the privilege of hearing your voice, Jesus. And we thank you that as we hear and follow you, we have life and life abundantly. God, I pray. I pray for the one here who has never heard truly the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, that today would be the day that you would give them by your grace the ability to hear who Jesus really is, to hear the call, the call to come home, the call to come to Christ, the call to come and confess our brokenness and sinfulness and to embrace the sacrifice on the cross for our sins so that we could become the beloved sheep of your fold. But God, for many in this room, we've heard that call and we have come and we live our lives like sheep that are so prone to wander, thinking that we're gonna find life and life abundantly apart from you. Would you lovingly bring us back? Would you show us our sin that we need to confess? And would you allow us again to have that fellowship with you, our triune God? Jesus, thanks for coming. Thanks for dying. Thanks for resurrecting so that we can truly have life and life abundantly in you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.